Oh, I want to thank you all for tuning in to the 294th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you guys for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasting apps, uh, on whichever platform you may be uh, listening on. Uh, being recorded from Buffalo, New York, as always. Sorry we got this, this pod out a little bit later, and also apologies that there was no Wednesday pod. Been going through some technical difficulties, not even using the laptop that I have my software on. So as soon as I get that done with my computer, we'll have that going on also outside the shop. If people listen to uh, the syndicate show outside the shop, that hasn't been going on for a couple weeks now. Really, really even almost a month now. Uh, which we're going to get back on and get hot and heavy on that and keep you know churning this content out. So I just kind of want to let everybody know what's going on with that. So... Uh, for the podcast today, uh, it's going to be short, sweet, a little something to listen to over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the Monday pod will drop. I'm going to have Scotty on, and we're going to talk about the games over the weekend. But ushering in talk as I'm recording this at 11.40 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, the Clippers uh, have just beat the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic to force a Game 7 in their series, the only Game 7 in the first round. And guess who we're going to have breaking down basketball? You guys guessed it. Kenny Sims, scouting extra for 247 Sports. The first time I've ever had Kenny on to talk about basketball. But Kenny's a big sports fan, and uh, we're going to dive into some NBA stuff, and he's going to talk about Pandemic P, Paul George. So it's going to be fun and interesting. Now, before we get to that, I want to say, if this is your first time listening to the pod, subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook group chats, uh, regular group chats, groupies, et cetera, et cetera. Also, what I'm going to ask everybody to do is subscribe to the YouTube channel. Type in Daryl Lane and you will uh, find the YouTube channel. And follow me uh, on Twitter, NightTrain underscore Lane. I'll say it again, at NightTrain underscore Lane. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, leave a goddamn five-star review. And for some odd reason, right, if you don't like my podcast, then take a page from what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And kind of next up the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Kenny Sim on to talk some NBA playoffs. Kind of next up the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have, surprise, surprise, Kenny Sims, scouting action for 247 Sports, not to talk football, not to talk the NFL, we're going to talk some basketball. Kenny, how are you doing? Kenny, you've been in the weeds on the NBA. Kenny, what's up? Daryl, I'm doing good. You know, I've watched the NBA, this is my 23rd year watching the NBA, and yeah, I could talk football, but I could bring in some NBA stuff. <laughs> You know, I I, I have uh, watched it a lot. I like to read about it. I like to break down the analytics of it, and I, and I played it too. So I I do, especially at this time of year with over half the teams in the playoffs. 
this is really what I like to call the, the real season begins in the NBA, kind of watching over the next three months. So first what I want to ask you, I just want you to give us an overview of how you've seen the playoffs so far. And you were actually sending me this list. Just give us your, like, your predictions, because you said you did your own bracket, just how you saw everything coming, uh, you know, materializing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you know, in the East, you have, you know, I thought the Sixers got a really good draw getting that, um, getting that one seed because you have the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Nets really in their own tier. So you avoid, you know, being the one seed. You avoid that matchup against a tougher team, and you have, you know, a favorable opponent with either the Knicks or the Hawks. So that kind of moved the Sixers, in my opinion, to the Eastern Conference Finals, really a direct line right to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then you have Bucks nets and the way the Bucks played against the Heat and kind of making some moves in the offseason with Drew Holiday and the way just the talent level of the Nets, you know, I could see the winner of that series potentially winning it all. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a really good series starting tomorrow. And, you know, whoever wins that is presumably, I think, going to play play the Sixers. And and reason why I picked the Sixers to come out of the East is they had – Joel Embiid, who was really uncoverable, really coming into his own as a center, got a lot of long wing defenders that could shoot the three, and they actually played defense, uh, unlike Brooklyn. And they had a really uh, almost, like I said, a complete line right to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, I think the Eastern Conference Finals between you know the Nets and the Bucks is going to be really good, and I think that series against the Sixers is going to be really good, really evenly matched teams out west. It was really interesting because you had the two best teams in the West were the Jazz and the Suns. And I really like what they've done from a team-building perspective, building these teams through the draft, through a lot of years. And you have the L.A. teams really, you know, kind of buying their way with, you know, acquiring LeBron and A.D. and, and, and Paul George and you know, those duos are better, but the Suns and the Jazz have really good teams. Um, so, in the West, and I think it's a little bit of a transition that they could be going through. And, you know, a, a big thing that I was making sure everyone knew about is I had those Suns over the Lakers. I like their personnel better. I like their personnel better. Devin Booker really coming into his own. And they got a deep team, another team. A lot of long wings. Cam Johnson, Crowder. They got Aiden. They got Chris Paul, a veteran. Cam Payne. Um, all those guys. And, you know, I really like how they matched up with the Lakers. So you have Suns, um, Nuggets. Nuggets just had way too much size for Portland, um, along with Portland being, I think, 29th in defensive rating. And then you had Jazz against this really tight series that I thought was going to be one of the best series um, in Dallas and Clippers going to seven. Winner's going to get the Jazz, the best team in the league. Now we'll have to see, you know, the Jazz, no matter who they play, uh, the Jazz are not going to have the best player in that series. And I'm a big believer in best player in the series. A lot of time wins. So, so that's going to be really good, too. So I think the West is completely wide open. 
to kind of go off a high-level view. Um, but, you know, I've really been liking these Suns over the last few years. And I like the Suns a little bit more than the Jazz because, yeah, they're really deep. But I think from star potential, I think out of those groups uh, between the Jazz and the Suns, Booker's the best player of them both. He is a guy that could get you 40 in a big game. Had 47 in a closeout game yesterday. I was really impressed. Yeah, coming of age moment for Devin Booker. Like, because he's a guy that I feel like when a lot of people talk about him, they're like, you know, good stats, bad team guy. You know, he's one of those guys that people have always historically said. So, so I, I think it is impressive to see, you know, closeout game on the big stage. You know, game six, they are in L.A., the house of the defending champions. Like LeBron James across the floor from you. You drop 47 and, and send them home packing. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and he's able to get to a spot, uh, you know, really got out to a quick lead in that game, but also I think what really kind of sped up the growth of the Suns is when they acquired Chris Paul, a crafty veteran, he could be the number three guy in a championship team, and I think that's a really good role for him right now in the Suns, and if you recall in that game last night, the Lakers got from 21 points, they got it down to 13, and then they got it down to 10 at about the 10-minute mark. And it looked like they were kind of teetering a bit. And Chris Paul had the next uh, the next 10 points the Suns scored were either Chris Paul makes or assists. He got to a spot on the elbow. Um, he, he really brings that veteran leadership. And I kind of see you know, a team like the Suns, I kind of see them a little bit like the 2011 Mavs. Got a guy that could score a lot of points. But Jason Terry was really, uh, really key on that team to make the big shots, be that veteran presence. And Chris Paul, I think, is able to do that in the role with the young kids. And I look at the Suns' roster. I like their roster better than the Lakers. You take a look at what they were always playing at the wing, those, those three and D guys. They got Booker. They got Crowder. They got Craig. They got Payne. Uh, Cam Johnson, even. And they got guys that could hit threes. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a team that's well-built. And they got star potential at the top with Booker. And, and they got Aiden, who's, you know, a little young, but I, I, I thought he really, you know, the first two games of the series, I'll play Anthony Davis, but he really gives them a presence in the middle. So I, I do quickly want to say this. What has been the most shocking series for you so far in the first round? Yeah, the, first, the, the, the one that was a shocker to me was, was the Bucks and the Heat and how that ended in a sweep. And really seeing after game one, if I recall. And went into overtime. Close. Yeah, 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 went to overtime, and then those games were never close. And I thought, you know, with the Heat, uh, with Jimmy Butler and Heat culture, I thought they'd be able to at least get one on the uh, one when they came back home to Miami. And, you know, the Bucks really ran them off the floor. Maybe it was some revenge, but, but they also got Drew Holiday big upgrade over Eric Bledsoe um, and you know they got some games where they got seven three-pointers from Bryn Forbes off the bench but that's a team that it poses some challenges because obviously you got Giannis, got Brooke Lopez and Middleton, you got another big team, a lot of length, a lot of wingspan and I think they upgraded their guard position um, ultimately for them I think it's going to come down to whether Giannis can make shots outside of the paint, which, you know, I thought Philadelphia might have had. And Embiid's probably going to come back. He's, 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 he's week to week. 
But I don't know if the Nets are going to be able to kind of build that fence around the paint that the Bucks, uh, that the uh, Raptors have done and the Heat did in the bubble last year. I think that's going to be a big key is if Giannis um, can make outside shots because that's how you beat the Bucks over the last few years. So we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then kind of next up the break on Barbara Sports. So we're going to kind of dive into the Lakers like going out in the first round because that's something I think shocked a lot of people. Not Kenny though, because Kenny predicted Phoenix. Well, we're going to talk about that. Kind of next up the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we still have Kenny Sim with a scouting expert for 247 Sports as we're talking about the NBA uh, playoffs. So, Kenny, here's what I want to I want to pose this for you. The Lakers. And, and let's start with this. LeBron James. He's a figure that you know very well, being from the Northeast Ohio area. Almost maybe a mythical figure, we could say. Uh, he's a guy that since the disaster in Dallas, 2011, where, where he struggled, I would say since then, he's been the best player in the NBA for almost a decade, clearly. Right? Would you agree with that, Kenny? Yeah, I mean, he's up there. Yeah, up there, he's up, up there. there. And, I, and I would say he's been a guy who, you know, you could even, let's go back to the 2018 year when the, his last year in Cleveland, right? Uh, he averaged 34, 9-9, nine, nine, 50% shooting, and took a bad Cavs team with, like, J.R. Smith, and Kevin Love was hurt, to the finals. Uh, and we did not see that LeBron. We didn't see that extra burst. We didn't see that extra gear where it's like, okay, I'm just the best player on the court, and I can dominate. We saw guys like Devin Booker look like they're the best player on the court. Now, I want to, and now people are, some people are saying it's the ankle injury. He'll come back and he'll be healthy. The LeBron apologists, like Nick Wright, are saying that. For you, Kenny, do you think the LeBron we all knew and loved, who could be like, he's the best player in the NBA? Do you think that LeBron's gone? Yeah, I do. You know, I do. I take a look at, you know, I take a look at this series he had. Phoenix, and it was one of his worst series he's had in the NBA. He averaged 23 points in this series, shot the ball, I think, 48%. However, in six fourth quarters, I looked this up, six fourth quarters, he shot 11 for 30, 30% in the fourth quarter, six of 12 from the free throw line, and that's really been a big thing is is that's a good indicator of uh, good offense is getting to the free throw line. And to have six fourth quarters and get to the line 12 times, I think um, it was one of his lowest marks this whole year getting to the line. So now not drawing the fouls, whether he's kicking it out or taking jumpers, which is not his strength, um, you know, that's just a sign of beating your guy, getting to the line all the way. Uh, the free throw numbers were down, and, you know, whether it was just being a little banged up with his ankle, looked a little slow to me, um, looked a little slow running in transition, playing defense, um, but, you know, 
I don't see a guy now at 37 that could go in the playoffs and, you know, if need be, having to play, you know, 40, 45, 46 minutes a game, guarding the best player on the other team down the stretch, facilitating offense, getting to the line. Um, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, maybe, you know, once a series, but for the norm, um, I think those days it's going to be hard to come back from. Um, and, you know, this is now two years out of three where he's, he's, he's missed some time. You know, he's missed a lot of time. He, 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 he had the ankle two years ago. He had the groin at Christmas, and that really kind of, you know, he was out for a couple of months. They weren't going to make the playoffs, and he really didn't, you know, come back. His first year in L.A., but, but I think, you know, it's a little bit of a transition. And, and I, 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 I kind of look to, you know, with, with the Lakers and LeBron, I kind of look at, listen, we had the Warriors for all these years and the Cavs. And now it remains to be seen whether the Warriors can fully get healthy. Um, and, and, and so you have a little bit of a transition trying to find that next super team, whether it's the Bucks, whether it's maybe the Nets. I think the Nets on paper have it. We'll have to see if they can put it together. You know, you've got some nice teams with the Suns and the uh, Jazz, but... It's a little bit of a transition. I think it's coming in more of a younger man's game. You got Trey Young, you got Luca, you got Aiden, you got Booker, you got those guys in the 2018 class, uh, you got Giannis under 25. So I think it's a little bit of a transition to the younger man's game. So going off that with the Lakers, and I'd like to get your thoughts too, is kind of, you know, I think this playoffs is big because I think you could kind of set the stage for, you're kind of looking for that next star. You know, you talked about how, you know, LeBron for all these years, and the Warriors, and now you have a little bit of a transition to a lot of guys, you know, even a guy like a John Morant coming down the line, and where, you know, in the next five years, who's going to be that next big face of the NBA? I think, ooh, who can be the face of the NBA? That's a whole because he, be, Because also, he's got to be able to win championships, too. So maybe it's Kyrie Leonard. Um, but... <laughs> You know, okay, you know, so Dallas is a year away, but it's going to be interesting. And I just kind of feel if it's not the Nets, I kind of feel it's going to be a team out west. In terms of the, you mean individually, a player who can be the the face of the NBA individually, or like the team? Yeah, I mean, I kind of call it like you know, like you had Curry and then Durant, but you know, I think to be the face too, it's not only you know accumulating MVPs and being you know top three player in the league every year, but but you do need to win cha- cha- uh, championships too. So you know you got to put that all together. I'm talking, I'm talking, you know, kind of saw Duncan and then Curry and then KD for a little stretch. Cowie had that one off. We'll see if he can do it again. But kind of in the next five years, you know, there's going to be a player that can really make that big leap. And I'm kind of thinking maybe under the age of like 26. Well, here's what I would say. In terms of face, I would disagree with you slightly in terms of, like, when you mentioned Tim Duncan, I think there was a time where Tim Duncan was the best player in the NBA, but I don't know if Tim Duncan was ever the face of the NBA. I think those are two mm. different things. Uh, like, for example, like, like the way Nikola Yoke just playing, we're talking about he's going to be the MVP. Like, I, I think it's funny. It's, it's interesting. The final four teams from last year were Denver, L.A., Miami, and uh, Boston. 
Uh, Boston had Jalen Brown hurt. Uh, Miami, you know, they, they underperformed. Uh, the Lakers, they had AD hurt. Denver, Jamal Murray, they lost their second best player. A lot of these teams, they had struggling seasons, injuries. And you want to know what team? Who, who's been able to find a way to keep it ch- ch- chucking? Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets. Uh, so I, I think, you know, he's a guy that, that I could see. I, I don't know if he'll ever be the best player in the NBA, but he could be a guy that threatens for that. But I don't think he has that pizzazz, you know, similarly to a Tim Duncan where, I mean, like Tim Duncan was the best player in the NBA, but I don't think he was ever the face. I think the logical answer is Luka, uh, even though it's tough for me to imagine, you know, somebody from Europe actually taking that mantle. And then there's also Giannis, right? And then again, Giannis is another guy who's from Europe, and it's like tough for me to, to imagine just like to see Americans kind of gravitate towards that, but maybe they do. Uh, and maybe this is just how the league is changing with the international pull. Uh, there's guys like Joel Embiid, but Joel gets hurt too much for me. Uh, but I would say Luca and Giannis are two clear guys. For me, Kawhi. Kawhi's like the Tim Duncan mold. Uh, like, Kawhi doesn't talk. Kawhi's boring. I don't think Kawhi's the face. Uh, so those would be my two guys uh, that I would say. Both Luka Doncic and uh, Giannis. Yeah, I think under twenty. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think Luca's twenty six or, or uh, uh, Giannis is twenty six. But but yeah, I mean that's that's, that's kind of the next way because you had you know you had like LeBron, KD is over thirty, Steph's over thirty now. Um, although Steph's game translates well to being old and still playing well, and you know Westbrook's kind of older now after thirty. Kind of looking at those those next generation and. Yeah, I would say I I, I, I think Luca's got a really good shot. Um, you know, he'll, he'll he'll have his first career game seven on Sunday. Giannis has been doing it for a few years, um, so I think that's you know you take a look at the Lakers being out now, and the uh, you know not with the Warriors being out, so you have a chance for really a team. You know, maybe it's you know you know, a team over the next few years out West to really kind of get to the conference finals several years in a row, put together multiple NBA appearances. Maybe it's the Clippers, maybe it's the Nuggets, like you alluded to, uh, you know, the Suns. So I think that's a, you know, with the Lakers kind of struggling this year, I think that opens it up. And I think it's kind of, kind of like that just that title is kind of looming for somebody to kind of grab and kind of mold the direction of the NBA for the next couple of years. Luca, here's the path, and it's really interesting. When, when do you think LeBron really broke out, Kenny, as a superstar and was like a guy people really knew nationally? When do you think he really broke out in the NBA? I think when he made that trip with the Cavs in 2007. Okay. Now here's what I'm going to say. Right? What's so special about that run? That Cavs team wasn't great. I think their second best player was like Larry Hughes. They had Zarina Slogowskis. People remember like the LeBron. Like he scored like 25 straight points just doing freaking nature things against the Detroit Pistons. Right? He had Chauncey Bells, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, Tayshaun Prince, and all those guys. Great recollection. Yeah. yeah. Who's Luka playing with in Dallas? Chris Stapps, I think, is a fraud. I mean, Tim Hardaway oftentimes looks like he's their second best player. The Lakers are gone. This could pave the way. Let's say they beat the Clippers. Then they beat the Jazz. Then they beat the Suns. Then they're in the finals. Similarly like LeBron, that kind of paves the way. 
Yeah, 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 that could be it. Yeah, that could be it. And, uh, you know, you kind of take a look at that team. You know, I don't think they had as many veterans that could, you know, make shots like the 2011 Mavs, but there could be some similarities with the 2011 Mavs and the 2021 Mavs, or kind of like the Mavs for the next two years at least with Luka, and then kind of, you know, you got Chris Daps, and then you kind of got, you know, hit-or-miss shooters that can be really good. You know, like in the first few games of Finney Smith and Hardaway, and then they could kind of disappear a little bit. Um, but, you know, you got that. And then, you know, the Nuggets team, I think the Nuggets team's interesting too when looking at it because they lost Jamal Murray, but Michael Porter is really coming on as a borderline all star, I think, having multiple games over 25 points, shot, made six threes in the first quarter yesterday. Uh, if you got Murray healthy, you got Murray and Jokic, and then if Porter kind of comes on as that strong number two or number three, that's a nice, a nice little run that the Nuggets could potentially go on. Um, so that's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting series with uh, with 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 the Suns. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking so- at. Kind of, kind of coming into these playoffs too, I was looking at it, and I'm kind of talking to some people that follow the NBA about that too, because I kind of saw. You know, I kind of saw the Lakers going out early, and that would kind of open up the door for a lot of a lot of teams out west. And like I said, I think those, you know, you had the two best teams in the league were out west, especially with the Jazz and the Suns, um, and then several others that are just strong duos. And seeing how that is, uh, Kenny. So here's what I do want to ask you: AD and LeBron, will they ever be healthy again? Like both together? Because even AD wasn't healthy, and it was kind of, you know, people... Yeah, he's ne- yeah, I mean, he's never really been fully healthy either. He's always been kind of a kind of a glass doll, just ready to just, just uh, you know, break. And, you know, you take out the bubble year, but he's, he's been injured in New Orleans. And, you know, I thought last year, and kind of that... You know, the bubble was different because teams weren't traveling and no home court. It was a truly just a different set of circumstances. But, you know, depending on how much weight you want to put in that, you know, I thought AD was the best player on the Lakers team. And, and he, he kind of brought that different dimension, you know, whether it's taking a big out to the perimeter and shooting a three or, you know, taking over for stretches. So, you know, if, if, if both of them aren't healthy – especially AD, but he's got a track record of being hurt for long stretches of time. And if he's out for the playoffs, you know, I think they need both of them to be healthy um, to make some serious noise. But I, I, I think that's a huge question mark, and I would lean more towards no. I don't think they'll be uh, – I, 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 I don't think they'll both be healthy together. Um, you know, I think there's a – you know, it's a, a, a accumulation of the last few years of, you know, one of them being injured at one moment in time. How bad do you think this hurts the NBA ratings that the Lakers are out? Uh, you know, yeah, I do think I, I, I do think there's a, a, a blow for that because I think that's the that's the team. That's the team. You know, LeBron draws eyes, being polarizing, both positive and negative people that don't like him. So I think now, from a ratings perspective, I think it would shift more towards the Nets 
kind of looking at that, you know, that, that, that team with the big three, kind of looking for a polarizing team, a little bit of a heel, a little bit of a villain. I think the Nets become that now. And, you know, again, depending on how the Clippers do, you see if the Clippers could gain some traction in L.A. Or if the Clippers lose on Sunday, you know, that's a big blow for the Clippers. I know there's a lot of a lot of hype, including including me, Daryl, when Colin Leonard went to the went to the Clippers and they got Paul George. I really like their team on the wings and defensively. And having one playoff series win in two years is a poor reflection. They got absolutely no draft picks. They got no 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 cap space. You wonder if Paul George would be out traded. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to see how they maneuver to make their team better. They're kind of stuck with what they have. So that's a that's an interesting game on um, Sunday, and I think it's very important for the Clippers in the future. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and then kind of next at the break on Barstow Sports Talk, we're going to get into the game that just happened tonight. Uh, Clippers versus Mavericks, and we're going to talk about that. Cut up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we still have... Kenny Sim with the scouting expert for 247 Sports. So, Kenny, we're recording this at, uh, just so folks know out here, almost 12.30 East Coast time. Uh, if we go to the West Coast time, that's probably, go to take that back three hours. My math is bad. Like, around like, almost like 10, something like that, Kenny, right? 10 o'clock? West Coast? Yeah. Yeah, 9.30. Uh, so, the clip, yeah, I'm just saying that Clippers and Mavericks, they just got done. Uh, and they, and this also in the first time in the series, uh, in any series in NBA history, that a road team has won every single game up to this point. Dallas won the first two on the road. Clippers won the next two on the road. Dallas won one uh, on the road, and the Clippers won one on the road in Dallas today, uh, just uh, about 20, 25 minutes ago. And now we're going back to Game 7. Who do you have for Game 7? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my pick before um, for the series. And, and a team I like coming out is the uh, Clippers. And I like the Clippers in this spot. You know, I, I know there was a... Uh, in the uh, finals in, in uh, 2013, the Spurs and the Heat played, and the home team won the first five games. And then uh, the first, uh, the, it was like the first five games, first six games, or whatever. And then the Heat came, and they won on the road to break that off, or something to that effect. Just like this series, the road teams won all the games. So I wonder at some point if the home team is going to win. Now, the Clippers are at home, and I like the Clippers in this game for a couple of reasons. One, I think since being down 0-2, they've won three out of four. 
and they've made a little switch to their lineup. They've they've gone with more more Batum and Reggie Jackson and less Beverly and Zubac. So I think that gives them so so they got more wings. They open up spacing for the floor with with George and Kyle Leonard, and I like I like Cowie in this spot a lot, um, especially down the stretch when they're kind of hanging in the balance. Made three straight threes to really put the game away. Mavericks were up seven um, late in the third. Cowie Leonard went on a personal eight nothing run, and I think he's going to be able to. You know, they they don't have anyone that could really guard him. So he should be able to get his 35. Now, I like what they could throw at Luka with just, I mean, they've been throwing so many different people at him. I mean, they've, they've, they've had George and Leonard and Mann. They've and, and a platoon for stretches. So I think they're, they're going to be able to throw a lot of bodies at Luka. And I wonder if they got that second guy that could, you know, go tick for tack with Paul George or or be, you know, the second or third best player in this game. So I don't think it's going to be Porzingis. He only has seven points tonight. Um, you know, that's a big spot to put a guy like a Finney Smith or Hardaway in. That's a lot of hit and miss. Um, so, you know, those are some of the reasons why I like the Clippers. I also like the Clippers because the Clippers are very dependent on the three ball. And I think in game seven at home, they got some veterans they got some role players that are going to be comfortable at home uh, to make some threes. Now, they only hit 29% tonight, but that's been a bellwether. And it's been a bellwether and a good predictor is really how, how the Clippers shoot the three. If they shoot the three well, they usually win. If they don't, they lose. They, they and, and, and they shoot a lot of threes, too. I mean, sometimes you'll get half their shots will be threes. So I kind of always am going to side with, the role players at home being more comfortable. Um, so I think you, you get some guys like Batum, a Jackson, you know, even a Rondo. I think they're going to be able to out three ball the role players on the Mavericks. How many points does Luka need to get to for Dallas to win? <laughs> I think he's going to need at least 35. I was going to say... Kenny, I was yeah. going to say 50. fifty. Yeah, I mean, I so so they're I mean they're just really Luca dependent. So you know, I know in game five, um, I saw in game five Luca scored or assisted on thirty one out of thirty seven field goals, over eighty percent. Um, I think that was a record, actually, a guy that scored or assisted on that many field goals from a team. So I think he's going to need to do that, and and, and he's going to need to, you know. He's going to need to create, too, for others. So getting into the paint, if he could get some fouls on, on, on Leonard and George, which the Clippers started to throw those guys more at him down the stretch, unlike the first few games in this series. And, 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 and so I think it's really going to come down to if they could get whoever to kind of be the second and third guy. I always take a look at your top three guys that shoot the most. How do they outscore the other team? So they're going to have Leonard, George, probably Reggie Jackson. Porzingis has got to be that guy. Him, Doncic, and can they get a Hardaway or a Finney Smith to get, you know, I'm thinking 20 points as the third guy. Um, so that's going to be 
you know, a game that I think is going to be won or lost for both teams on the three-point line. If the Clippers lose, how much do you think it hurts Kawhi's legacy? Even all the moves that man, you kind of alluded to this with all the, you know, the draft yeah. capital, Steve Ballmer acting crazy. Like, how much do you think it hurts the Clippers? Well, it's gonna hit. Well, so it's gonna really hurt the Clippers a lot as a team because, you know, Kawhi. I think. I, I, I mean, you really. I mean, no one really knows what he's thinking, but I think right now, you know, I think the consensus is he's gonna stay with the Clippers, but. You know, I don't know if this means Paul George is going to be on the way out, but they're going to need to kind of, you know, tweak this team a little bit. And I'm looking at this Clippers team, and yeah, I like them, but I think their downfall is they don't have that solid third guy that could get between 18 and 20 points and and, and facilitate an offense during stretches where Leonard or George are down or have their rest. So is I mean, are you really going to put that on Reggie Jackson? Or Rondo to do that, so they're really dependent on on Leonard and George, and you take that out, it's going to depend on those role players. Now, also, I think, um, you know, you're going to see some sort of personnel change. You can't run the. I, I mean, if you've won one one series over two years, you can't just run it back again and expect, you know, a huge result change. Um, but. You know, they've, they've sent all of their draft picks for, like, the next eight years to Oklahoma City and whatnot. They're tight on the cap, so they're going to need, you know, to see if, I, I mean, who do you facilitate maybe to change it up a bit. And, and the logical guy that has value on a team is moving Paul George maybe. But I think regardless, if the Clippers lose, I think there's going to be a lot of changes on this Clippers team. Any chance they would just trade Kawhi and just blow it up? No, I don't think so. I don't think so on that one. And, you know, you take a look at what he did tonight. Three straight three-pointers to end the game, 45 points. Um, you know, I wouldn't say – I mean, I think, you know, when when you look back, I think his legacy could take a hit a little bit over the last two years. Um and, and, and kind of the failures the Clippers might have done. But, you know, we'll have to see how, how it goes if he plays well. Um, if he plays well, you know, we'll have to see how the other guys do and help like that. Like, it was kind of teetering to nothing, and, and he, he ended up going 18 of 25, 45 points, and really, really shouldered the load down the stretch to, to extend the game for the Clippers and win it for them ultimately. So, also, what I what I want to ask you is this: If the Mavericks win, how big is this for the legacy of Luka Doncic in his young career, in terms of storylines? Yeah, in terms of storylines, be big because you take a look at the Clippers. I think the Clippers coming in, you know, I think they were them and the, uh, you know, I think them and the Lakers were the favorites in Vegas to come out of the West. You're able to take down this team that's really been a consensus top five team, the Clippers, over the last two years. And if you're able to do that, um, and being the best player on the team like that, that would be the first big win of Luka's career. And, and what's that? Oh, it'd be the first big win 
of Luca's career and, and, and really, you know, going toe-to-toe with them last year was really close. Taking the Clippers down this year, I think you would, you know, you take a look at being like that solid number one guy to win a championship with. Guy's 25 years old. He'd have Dallas ahead of schedule, only in year three, just finishing up year three. That would really put him on a trajectory where, you know, the Mavs could solidly know they got that guy. They got that franchise player. They got that number one guy to win a championship with. Guy that can lead you down the stretch when the game's tough, uh, especially if he has heroics, you know, get to the left wing like he did last year in game four against the Clippers. And I think that would, you know, really help out his legacy by, by you know, out-dueling out a team that that is better on paper in the Clippers. And a team at the end of the year that tanked to avoid the Lakers, but but they, they were fine playing the Mavericks. And, and, and I think that, too, be able to take down and beat the Clippers like that, I think that would really, you know, really push Luka you know, ahead of those guys like we had talked about earlier, you know, whether it's a Giannis or, you know, the guys under 25 years, Trey Young as Ian Williamson, I think Luka would, you know, definitely be that guy that you look at that this is the next big thing, you know, this is the next guy that's going to be the best player on a team. He could always elevate guys around him, and I got to go into championship with. So what I do want to ask you now is, why do you call Paul George Pandemic P? pandemic B because last year in the pandemic he he really collapsed Daryl and and they really needed him you know they needed him that Denver series they were up three one and and he had I mean he had a couple of you know two for fifteen games three for fifteen games and it used to be playoff P you know sometimes he would elevate his game pandemic P is he would bring his game down and you know even take a look in the first. You know, the first few minutes of uh, the first half of this game, you know, he, he, he was one of six from three. He, he was shooting 33% from the field. That's pandemic P right there, turning it over, throwing the ball out of bounds. And and that's a guy, too. Is they really need Paul George to be, you know, a top 15 guy to beat Kawhi Leonard's wingman. And if he's... You know, if he's turning it over, he's shooting a low percentage, he's not able to facilitate offense when Kyrie Leonard is out, that kind of brings your team down because you're looking at that guy to be that number two option and to be borderline a number one player on certain teams. And when Pandemic P does that, you know, I, I think it substantially makes the Clippers very vulnerable. And he did that last year in the bubble, too, during the pandemic, getting the nickname Pandemic P. I completely agree with you. So lastly, predictions for Bucks versus Nets. That's going to be happening tomorrow. Well, actually, tonight now. Uh, Saturday. Yeah. yeah, I think this will be a really good series. I, I think this will be a really good series, you know, depending on Embiid's health. I can see the winner of this series going to the finals and potentially winning it. I think it should be really good. Um, I'm going to go I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the Nets here. I'm going to go with the Nets here in, in seven. Um, just, just with just with the offense they have that they could put together. And, you know, at any one time, they could have all, all two of those guys on one, on, on, on one floor together and then three down the stretch. And I think a key here is if the ball is in James Harden's hands as a facilitator, 
whether it's getting to the line or doing the step back free throw or the step back three three pointer. If he's in a point guard distributing role and he could distribute that out to um, Kevin Durant, I think that really takes the Nets to a, another level if he could do that. Kind of like that distributor that you saw earlier in his career. Um, but I'm going to go with them just based on, you know, you take a look at, you cancel out the best player with Giannis, the second guy in the Nets. I like him a little bit more than Chris Middleton. In a very competitive series. Um, they got Joe Harris, sniper, one of the best three-point shooters in the league, just camping out, shooting open shots. That's another key metric for them. So you add that together, and I like the Nets in a very competitive series, one of the better series of this playoffs. I like the Nets here at seven. The battle of a team that did it the right way versus the team that uh, got a bunch of hired guns. It's going to be very interesting. Absolutely. To see, to see who wins out of that. Kenny, thank you for coming on the podcast. Let's talk a little bit of NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. A really good change-up, man. I, I, I was excited to do this. I, I, I was excited to do this, and and I hope I, I, I did not let the barbershop down stepping into the NBA world. You should do an NFL. And once again, I want to thank Jordan for making his first ever appearance on the barbershop. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 294th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.